3: if there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it! invalidator.
4: Remember
0: that you told me! It's time, Robbie!
4: Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to The Shape of Water. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Meglia, and joining me this morning on this beautiful Mother's Day, I have Will Mavedy
0: Hello, everybody. Danilo Oh
4: god!
2: Oh, you had it! You had it! It's cool.
4: <laughs> I had it too. I really, I, I, had it. I was so close. Danilo,
2: Danilo. Yeah, Danilo. I, I am here. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and
4: Josh Parm. Hello, hello. So, uh, if people remember from what was it, two weeks ago, Danilo, Josh, you guys were on the show for the first time ever, and Danilo, I struggled. All episode to get your name right. I was so confident that I was going to say it correctly when we started this episode. And it's okay.
2: You could just be like, you, you go ahead, talk. <sighs> hey, you! <laughs> Josh, welcome to the show, Josh you. Will and you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so,
4: everyone that's listening right now, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We are extremely appreciative of everything that it is that you've done for us, and we love you dearly. Um, I wanted to start off this episode, first and foremost... Obviously, talking about Mother's Day, mother-moms, favorite memories with mom at the movies. We got a couple of fan questions related to that. Um, just out of curiosity, of all, my, my, here's my first question to the three of you. Of all the movies that came out last year that had to do with moms, we had I, Ladybird, Lady Bird, Florida Project, Mother. What was like your favorite one of those movies that dealt with mom?
0: Oh, dude! a hundred percent ladybird that's so relatable,
4: okay,
3: cool, cool, yeah, I would have to agree with that. I think Ladybird, even though the mother relationship isn't entirely something that I would personally connect with, you just can't help but just fall in love with that entire relationship that you see on screen, and it's just incredible, i yeah, I would have to say, lady bird,
4: am I the only one that's going to say three billboards. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, I know, I know. I, I will never stop defending that movie, even even in its post Oscar. It light. deserves
2: defense. It <laughs> deserves defense. Oh, that's fair. Oh uh, Ladybird Lady Bird is probably the the one I can relate to more, but I'm gonna I'm gonna deviate from the path. I'm gonna say mother. That was the movie that impressed me the most out of the ones you op- offered, so we're going to go with that one.
4: That's true. I, I guess from a pure filmmaking standpoint, I suppose that makes the most sense. It, it yeah.
2: reminds me nothing of my relationship with my mother. I just want to throw that out there.
4: Oh, yeah. I hope not. <laughs> you know, I mean, because then you wouldn't be here. Exactly.
2: Exactly. So, yeah. You'd be crowd surfing still. Out of
4: the way early. <laughs> well, we have a couple of fan questions that did come in from uh, the fans of Next Best Picture talking about uh, Mother's Day to us and asking some questions. So, I wanted to first start off with some of those here. Um, the first one that comes up is from Andrew Purr at A Purr on Twitter. Is there a film that always reminds you of your mother, either from watching it together or the story itself? Anything that reminds you of your own mom?
3: Uh, well, I think the one that immediately pops into my mind is The line in Winter. Uh, that was a movie that I really loved early on, and it was one that my mom introduced me to. And whenever it's on television and we're together, we can just stop anything that we're doing and just immediately watch it. It's one of my all-time favorites, and it really does remind me of my mom because it's a favorite that we uh, both share. That's really
2: sweet. Yes.
0: Nice. Honestly, again, Ladybird, I mean, I so, so related to that whole just constantly butting heads with my mom through high school. And it was only when I went off to college that I realized all the sac- or not so much realized, came to appreciate the extent of the sacrifices she made and why she did what she did. So I think it's why Lady Bird was my favorite film last year. I just so related to that relationship.
2: Okay, cool. Danilo? Um, Mine would be uh, What's Up, Doc? The Peter Bogdanovich movie. Wow. Um, Yeah, that's, uh, that's one my mom introduced me to. And we, we quote that one all the time, and I eventually learned that that's her favorite director because she's like, I like this movie and this movie, and she had no idea. They were all Bogdanovich, so
4: helped her discover that. Yeah, my mom has more adventurous taste than my father does, so we will watch a lot of movies together.
0: Um, you that. That
4: what the fuck was that? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Are you serious? Really? <laughs> Psycho. Man, I, I will admit I've never watched Psycho with mom. Okay. I got close with mother. I got very close with mother, but she, she did not go. There. <laughs> I will say this though. Uh, <laughs> this, this is one of the more embarrassing moments of my life. Um, Back when I was like extremely pretentious, very very artsy, and thought I knew what the hell I was talking about when it came to movies, I actually sat my parents down, and uh, we all watched Maholm Drive
0: together. Oh no! Oh Oh, Jesus! (laughs) That's a fun one. That
4: was a huge mistake, Um, and I had my sister there with me to kind of tell me, dude, why would you show (laughs) this? (laughs) Um. But I, I I I will say, like, because this has a bit of a nostalgia feeling for me, and also too, um I see myself in this character a lot, and I guess I see my mother in the mom too. Um Andy's mom in Toy Story. Oh nice. Constantly. Do you really get to know him? Him or her? Her. We're Sorry, both. Them. Her. Not really. Um played by Lori Metcalf though. So, you know, a spiritual <laughs> uh a spiritual, you know, tie in <laughs> to Lady Bird maybe perhaps. Um I don't know. There was just always something about that um that character of Andy playing with his toys, and I used to do that when I was a kid and looking back on those movies and seeing how the mom is, that 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 is my mom, like personality wise. She acts very much like my mother. So I guess that's where I uh, I see that. There there was no connection to any character in Maholland Drive to my mom. I want to just throw that out
2: there. <laughs> These are important to clarify. Oh, very much so. <laughs> don't you remember are you kidding? Is this, is this like the new thing? You're gonna just play audio clips throughout the rest of the episode. Just like a soundboard of clips that looked pain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever want you associating with
1: little girls. Why not, Mom? Because little girls are the devil. <laughs>
4: Oh, everything's a devil to your mama. <laughs> well, I like school and I like foosball. And I'm going to keep doing it because it makes me feel good. And, removed, and I like those too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Kathy Bates is all of our mothers. There you go. That, that, that
0: story. You know, oh, I have to admit, that's not objectively a good, objectively a good film, but I do really love the water boy.
4: Oh, yeah. It's
2: great. It's great. <laughs>
4: <laughs> when he's on the phone, and he's wearing the heels, and he's like, "I hate him! I hate him! I hate him!" <laughs> uh, I, I actually, um, I, I, all the time, whenever somebody points out something to me about, like, you know, uh, my mom once told me, I, I will always, my, my, go-to line will always be, "Well, Mama's
0: wrong again," yeah. <laughs> and, I'll
4: just, and I'll do like the professor scene, <laughs> the whole thing out,
0: Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay
4: woo gather let's uh let's let's bring it back in now shall we okay so (laughs) oh
2: this should be an hour of this us laughing (laughs) Uh,
4: okay no more no more clips no more clips
0: we're not gonna acknowledge Monique Uh,
4: uh, we are we are that's that's actually the next question here (laughs) Um, So we're going to now ask from Faker Brent Leone on Twitter What is your favorite Oscar winning performance as a mother in film? I have a couple of choices here I'll read them off to you guys Okay, you guys ready? We have Francis McDormand in Three Billboards Breed Larson in Room Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich Shirley MacLaine in Terms of Endearment Meryl Streep Kramer vs. Kramer Monique and Precious Patricia Arquette in *Boyhood*, Viola Davis in *Fences*, and most recently, Allison Janney. I, Tanya.
0: I don't think it's going to win, but I'm kind of surprised you didn't include Sandra Bullock in the Blind side.
4: Oh well, I mean, listen, I couldn't list
2: all of them. I, just I want all of them. Hey, yeah, the let's my head. go. Every movie, yeah, mom.
4: Right. Let's just go all the way back to <laughs> the Mildred, shall Mildred we?
2: Pierce. Let's go all the way back. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um,
4: but yeah, is there anyone that um, performance-wise has stood out to you guys over the years? Or maybe one that you were really, really advocating for to win that Oscar based on that performance?
3: Oh, well, Monique, certainly. I mean, that I, I just am so impressed by that performance even to this day. And it's so surprising because I would never have guessed I would have ever advocated for Monique to become an <laughs> Academy, Academy Award winner. <laughs> and she just blew me away in that film so much. So I, I, she is incredible in that movie.
4: Yeah, Oh uh, no, Absolutely. She steamrolled that entire year, too.
3: Oh Oh, yeah, and she didn't campaign. That was what was crazy. Well, the not campaigning was campaigning. It was campaigning. I will
4: never forget when she won the Oscar and she gave like the most gravitas-filled speech where like every word had weight to it, and she was like, I wanna thank the Academy for making it 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 about (laughs) the performance and not the politics. (laughs) And I was like and everybody's just like nodding in the audience, like, yeah, and every like, go Monique. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> huh, it was awesome. It was so freaking awesome.
0: And then they they ruined it by giving screenplay to the Ooh. wrong film. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. That's true.
4: To this day, I you know I've never asked Danilo and Josh this question. I'm gonna ask them this. Do you guys think Precious was close to a Best
3: Picture win that year? Um, I mean that's that screenplay win definitely does give some argument to that. I I don't know how exactly close it would have been. I don't think it would have been second. It probably was a very strong third, I would think.
4: Well, you think Avatar was in second place? I think I think
0: either Precious or Bastards was in second. Yeah, but Bastards only won for Kristoff. Like, and it didn't... Not winning screenplay, you know, suggests it wasn't... But, like, I mean... The it hurt Lot sag. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was definitely picking up steam, though. I mean, like, it went from something... I remember in October that year there was someone who had a post on the imdb forum just going god damn it when are you people gonna accept inglorious bastards is never gonna get nominated for best picture and it just kept building up steam throughout the awards season i mean it didn't win screenplay and but like i i think there was a lot of love for that film still to, to this day
4: if the academy now knowing what we know and I bet you members of the Academy probably think this too. Like if you were to ask many of them, hey, listen, now knowing what you know, would you give screenplay to Quentin Tarantino in 09 for Bastards, take away his screenplay win for Django, and instead give it to Mark Bull that year for Zero Dark Dirty? And I bet you most people would say yes.
0: Oh, yeah,
4: absolutely. Probably. Hindsight definitely. Yeah. So that, that 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 just makes the most sense to me looking at it at that way. Since we're talking about screenplays really quick here, uh, we did get another question in from uh, Bradley and Colson. Any bizarre pairings of writers and directors that you think would actually work? You know, like, say, for example, if um, Michael Bay decided he wanted to work with Aaron Sorkin.
2: (laughs) I mean, I'd watch that just off the bat. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Would
0: would Michael Bay's editing match the quickness of the dialogue? (laughs) I think it would be overload. (laughs) I think it would be desensitizing. Edgar Wright teaming up with Sorkin would be awesome.
4: Oh, wow
0: yeah
4: and, and that's the thing too like I was thinking I was trying to think of like writers um, that, I'm trying to think of writers who are just writers not writer directors because mm-hmm. then you could do something like really crazy you could say uh, what if Christopher Nolan decided to direct a Paul Thomas Anderson script sure
2: sure <laughs> <laughs> you know
4: so first let's think of it let's think of it like this who which like who are some writers that are just writers David Mamet mm-hmm. is one Aaron Sorkin's not one anymore Thank you, Molly's game. You ruined that. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Sheridan's not one anymore. Thank you, Whitney. I mean, eventually. a lot of these oh. guys,
0: oh. a lot of these guys have directed like a film. Like Lawrence Kasdan, you know, he's directed a film or two. I mean, it's very hard to find one of these who's a great writer who's never directed anything.
4: Yeah. All right. Well, then, in that case, if you were just to choose any writer, even if they're directors, uh, what would you guys uh, put together? Heard Edgar Wright and Aaron Sorkin so far.
2: Mm, how about let's get David Fincher doing a Taylor Sheridan screenplay? Let's see what let's see what would come of that. <sighs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's intense. That would be very intense, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. What about Greta Gerwig doing a Richard Linklater sl- script? Oh man, yeah, that if could it, work. That I'd could be in the work. bag for Linklater. Yeah, absolutely. They kind of they kind of have overlap in what they like to talk about. That would be yeah. For that, y- you know what? <laughs> Let's do
4: something like really, really bizarre—a <laughs> Terrence Malick script directed by
2: X. What? What Terrence Malick script? That just yeah, script that's what did, that's what makes it <laughs> funny. <so.
3: laughs> It'd be mean, cool, like, like scribbles on a napkin yeah, that he exactly. wrote at the restaurant.
4: Go off and do that. (laughs) No, because I'm just really curious. Like, what would, if you really didn't have like a script, right? And you just had like some sort of outline or ideas, like you said, scribbled on a napkin, like what director would still find a way to make a very, very interesting film with their unique style from Terrence Malick's bullet point head of ideas?
0: (laughs) How about George Miller? How about um, Wes Anderson? We just said George Miller. That would be George Miller. Yeah. How about Wes Anderson directing a Yorgos Lanthimos script? Oh, you win. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. I mean, those are sort of like
3: the black and white versions of each other anyway.
4: You have the quirkiness <laughs> of Anderson, the darkness of Lanphimos. You know what? I'm there.
3: <laughs> I'm so there.
4: All right. All right. Good question. That was that was fun. Moving on from that now and over to uh, a final Mother's Day question. Okay. This one here is from Captain Hangry at Captain underscore Hangry on Twitter. What is your first slash favorite mom slash movie memory? A movie you watch together, her favorite movie, et cetera.
0: Well, first off, little plug for uh, the book club. I think is going to be everybody's mom's favorite movie. That's a good point. My mom just told me I'm going to be on the East Coast next week, and she's like, you better be taking me to the book club. I was like, <laughs> we're in a book club? No, the movie. Oh, okay.
4: <laughs> so, so Will,
0: we're recording at 9
4: a.m. next week?
0: Or actually, it's two weeks. Ah, Okay. But regardless, yeah. Yes, I will be on the East Coast in civil time in two weeks. But anyway. Mom movie memory. Mom movie memory.
4: (laughs) I'll start off um, because I asked my mom. I said, hey, mom, uh, what's your favorite memory of watching a movie with me? And she says to me, and it's funny because it was actually the first movie I actually remember seeing in the theater. I was four years old. We were in Germany. And we saw The Lion King. In, uh, in a movie theater that was screening before it actually had a release in the States. So we saw it early. And she described my anticipation, reaction, and just overall, you know, experience as nothing but giddy excitement that just made her so filled with joy to be a mom, to see Aww. her son light up like that. That's a good one. And I was like, w- wait, we haven't had that experience since? <laughs> and, and, and she's and she said to me, "Well, I really like the time you asked me to go see Beauty and the Beast. You know, um, when the live action one came out, I asked mm-hmm. her if she wanted to come with me, um, and she was very, very touched by that because I, I go see movies at weird, you know, late at night. I'm usually in the city, and my mom's back at home, and I, I just don't have like time to ask my mom to go see stuff. Generally speaking, um, so if I'm if I'm ever able to accommodate, you know, it's a, it's a nice thing."
0: My mom has dragged me to so many chick flicks, like she's like, like you <laughs> I get to see your feet dragging. She's grabbing me by the wrist. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> when when I was in like I don't know like fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, um, my mom would be like, "Hey, do you want to go to the movies?" It, like I, you know, I'd get picked up from school. It's you know like do a, an early screening. I was like, "Cool, yeah, let's go see something." and uh it would I'd be like well, do you want to go see indiana jones in the kingdom of the crystal skull no we're going to maid of honor or, uh, oh damn. cloverfield no we're going to 27 dresses oh um <laughs> how about nacho libre no we're going to the lake house like i, I, I dude, i'm telling you we went to all of them and to the point and she had some really weird weird choices i was like Let's go see Rush Hour 3. No, we're going to Bratz. Why are we going to Bratz?
4: What's really funny is that this does not stop. There are still instances of this happening to this day whenever Will is back at home (laughs) with his mom. Uh, It's funny, like, when you say to me, (laughs) Will, like, oh, I just saw, um, I, I, God, I I know you have done some. Like, what was the most recent one you did recently with her?
0: Oh, with my mom? Yeah. Oh, my God. No, like, every time I'm in town, um. Didn't you see, like, Bad Mom's Christmas or something? Uh, oh, okay. I, I, I went to see the first Bad Moms with her. Uh, she took me to. She made me go see Me Before You with her. Ooh, ooh. Oh. God. No, no. We, we we've got some of these. Let me. Uh... I've started slowly, you know, pushing her towards better, better films. Like we went to see Beatrice at Dinner and The Big Sick together. But let's let's look at the uh, the previous year. Yeah. Okay. So um, summer 2016, we did Bad Moms, uh, Me Before You. Oh, God, there's there's definitely Florence Foster Jenkins. Although Michael Schwartz would kill me for lumping that in that category. What are
4: you talking about? These are all movies that Michael loves.
0: <laughs> the Meddler, the Meddler. She definitely. Made yeah, he
4: loves care. that one too. So what we're, what we're discovering from this is that Will is a big softy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not by choice. Sounds like he loves he loves those chicks. Oh, boys. hello. My name is Doris. She loved that one. Oh uh, no. Oh no, that actually, I liked that. I thought that was good. It
2: was okay. It was okay.
0: Yeah, it was fine. I mean, if you go back into the high school years, though, man, or middle school was was the high point of that, like, she just, she just, my dad would know, you know, he always told me, he's like, you're on your own. He's like, it's your duty as a son to keep your mother company.
2: (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Uh, I remember uh,
4: there was one time that me and my two sisters were pulled out of school. I was 11. Yeah, I was 11. My younger sisters were uh, six, so she was in kindergarten and the other one was nine. Yeah, we all got pulled out, and I didn't know why we were being pulled out. You know, it was very unusual. The last time we were pulled out of school early was actually September 11th. So I thought that maybe something else had happened. My mom wasn't saying anything. And, you know, knowing what I know now, I would, I would have assumed that, like, somebody had died or something. Because she wasn't saying a word. She was totally silent in the car. We pull up to the movie theater. And we saw Harry Potter. Oh, the original. The Philosopher's Stone. The first one, yeah. And holy God, was that not the biggest freaking surprise ever. (laughs) Oh my God. Like, and I remember me and my sisters just being like, (laughs) ah, like jumping up and down, so excited. Oh man. Oh, that was something. Did your parents ever do that? Pull you at school to go
0: see a movie? Yeah, small soldiers. Yeah, back in '98, that was one of the first movies I remember seeing in theaters. Small. That's a great movie, by the way. Have you all seen that? Small Soldiers. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Small Soldiers. Like a really violent Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That should have been the
2: tagline. God.
4: Yeah. Uh, all right, Danilo, Josh, any memories
3: there?
2: Um, I remember going to see. I remember getting dragged to Mama Mia, and what's this whole dragged thing? <laughs> It's like he, like, like well said. It's you were being a gentleman a and accompanying your mother. Okay. When you're that, when you're a kid, it feels like you're being dragged. But I'm sitting there and I'm not enjoying it. I Don't really like Mamma Mia.
4: I really hope Michael Schwartz does not listen to this episode.
2: <laughs> but my mom, about a third into it, she she looks at me and she says, "This is terrible." And we both left. She didn't like it either. Oh wow! And it was <laughs> great. I just, I we always laugh about that. That's that's the only time I've walked out of a movie. And it was with my mom. So I always remember that.
4: Well, here we go again. Are you going again? To here we go again? Mamma Mia too. That was a bad pun.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God. That, shows that you how was... big a Mamma Mia fan I am. That's way over my head. No, I mean, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going with her if I'm going. All right. He has been spared. <laughs> Josh, what about you?
3: Well, I actually have one that doesn't involve a uh, feeling of just total obligation with my mom. Uh, and Matt, I think you'll actually appreciate this one. It was when the first Lord of the Rings came out. Ugh. And my mom had read this article in the paper that was talking about the music and describing, I think it was an interview with Howard Shore, and it was describing like the different themes that he was using in the film. And my mom said, hey, we should go see the movie again because we'd seen it by that point. Go see it again and go to specifically just listen to the music and see how it works in the film so wow. I, yeah. So I, this I this love really your great... mom I'm just throwing this out there <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I do too so it was this really great moment of not only getting to see a great movie but also bonding with her over this experience of analyzing the movie too so that's always a memory that I uh, hold a lot of dear and love in my heart for
4: my my, my uh, extent of analyzing a movie with my mom afterwards is whether or not if she thought it was weird that's, yeah. that's, that, that's, that's a good it. basis I'm like what did you yep. think tell me, tell me <laughs> what you thought of the movie it was weird, and I'm like, "Mom, it was Manchester by the Sea." It was like as <laughs> conventional a narrative as it can be. It was weird. I don't. I'm like, God, <laughs> you know? It's like I gotta show. I gotta show them. Uh, I just last night watched a post with my parents, and I looked at them, and I was like, "Okay, if this is not the most conventional <laughs> movie ever, I was like, did you guys enjoy it?" And they look at me, and they just go. It's okay, and I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> I agree with you. They're but like,
2: Jesus. it wasn't weird enough. No, it's like
4: <laughs> I don't know, like what my parents like anymore as they, uh you know, as they get older. It's very, it's very weird. Yeah, yeah. I bet Mulholland <laughs> Moh- 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 Drive threw off their equilibrium a
3: little
0: bit. <laughs> 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 My mom has certain. So we have we have a tradition of every her birthday is like two days after Christmas. So we always take her to see whatever is out in theaters right then and we almost without fail pick something she ends up not liking um <laughs> so like in something that traumatizes her so she um she has this thing about anyone's body getting mutilated it's like one year we took her to slumdog millionaire and she refers to that to this day as the eye burning movie and oh. she'll just make sounds like and it's in like true grit the, the arm chopping movie um, oh, like it's, the, it's, it's just like a yearly occurrence of us picking something that will traumatize her. But like, you don't know going into it. No, no, no. no. It's like, like, oh, she
2: loves <laughs> you, you like look up whether there's mutilation in it prior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, War Horse, there was no mutilation.
0: Actually, yeah, he went blind. Yeah. So there was, oh. there was uh, mutilation. Yeah. It's, you know, some horses died, Yeah, you know, so there is that. Yeah. And then <laughs> she often, we, whenever we see a movie that's like. You know, like introducing her to new cultures, she usually walks out of it like imitating the accents. <laughs> so, like, all, uh, you know, like after Captain Phillips, um, we would be at Chipotle or something afterwards, and she would just like walk up to me while I'm trying to fill up my tea and just speak, Look at me. I'm the captain now. I'm like, You, you can't <laughs> that's, that's not okay. <laughs> or she would walk around going, Oh, God.
4: Let's move over to some trailers. Trailer talk. Everybody. So we got the first teaser for Shane Black's version of the Predator. And, well, let's just save our thoughts for after viewing this one. Tell me about the mission.
3: Did you see anything unusual?
0: Like an alien, you mean? You saw something. Oh yeah. Yeah. And your men? Someone or something tore them to pieces. I think they're attempting hybridization.
4: They're upgrading on every plant they visit.
3: We need to know if you pose a threat. We're assassins. Isn't posing a threat kind of the point?
4: I'll be first to say it. I... I, I was underwhelmed by this and I could not believe it because Shane Black has always impressed me, you know, throughout his career and all the things I expected to see in a Shane Black trailer were not here. And I don't know how much of that is because the movie sucks or how much the marketing team is withholding from this first trailer. Maybe there's more to say, uh, but it kind of gave me that same impression as remember like the first Deadpool trailer for Deadpool 2 that came out and it was like underwhelming and like people weren't really that excited and it wasn't until like the second trailer came out and we got to see more of the elements that made us realize why we enjoyed the first Deadpool in the first place you know and then we we, people started getting excited at that point like or, or even the solo, even solo coming out, like same thing. It's like the second trailer got people more excited than the first one did. I don't know. That's that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from this.
3: Yeah, this did this is not really uh, excite me either. I I don't know. I think it might be just a bad trailer. I hope it is because you're right. Shane Black is very talented. The cast is pretty solid too, and I'm hoping that it'll be good. But this first trailer just does look like. There might They might be holding something back, and as such, it just looks really kind of sloppy and generic even.
4: Oh, see, that's the word, and that's the thing I feared the most. Mm-hmm. If this was going to be a generic summer blockbuster-type movie as opposed to a Predator film directed by the guy who gave us the nice guys, you know, and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah, it's. I, I agree with both you guys. Yeah. I think it does have kind of like a generic like watching it. It's that's not, not that far removed from the. What was the last present? Was it just called Predators? What was the last yeah, one called? Yeah, it was called? just Predators. Yeah, Damn, I had the same kind of buff vibe, like. Oh Adrian
4: Brody, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man,
2: <laughs> that's not it's good. Such a that, weird that's like casting a casting choice. Yeah, that is a weird <laughs> casting choice. <laughs> that's like, and, like the most memorable October thing. That's not Grace a good. is the villain. <laughs> like oh. so, I yeah so, I, I, I this isn't that much higher than than that was, uh, at least based off, off first impressions. And hopefully there's lots of great dialogue and stuff that we're just not seeing. You know, hopefully there's more of, of a Shane Black uh, flavor than than the trailer's given us, because I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of it.
4: Yeah, because the casting initially, you know, when we started hearing the names that were going to be involved in this, and we all started thinking to ourselves, wow, like these people saying Shane Black dialogue is going to be fantastic. Yeah, Wouldn't that be amazing to get a glimpse of in a trailer? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs>
0: yeah i mean like i i was a fan as a kid of all the predator films and i'll admit you know i went to see nimrod antel's predators opening day i was excited for this and it did absolutely nothing for me and it's a shame because i love me some shane black i choose to believe as you all discuss that they're just holding out on us because i just can't fathom that shane black teamed up with keegan-michael Key and Travante Rhodes and yes, even Jacob Tremblay could produce a just generic movie. I just assume the best bits are being married buried by crappy marketing.
4: The way you made that sound, you made it sound like like Jacob Tremblay is like is like wiser beyond his years and is like <laughs> consulting with Shea Black
2: like on his character and not just hey, taking man. direction. He might be. You never know. <laughs> He's doing he's doing rewrites on the set, like with Shane. <laughs> yeah.
0: he doesn't break character at all. Yeah, <laughs> he's about, about in a teen sex comedy, so he's grown up, man. We have not act as a four year old. I, I will admit
4: the um, spaceship toy thing in the beginning of the trailer. I, I'm starting to wonder if that is actually part of the narrative. Like, is there a Lego movie storytelling structure
2: here that we're not being told? <laughs> Jacob's the only one who knows. He's keeping secrets. <laughs> he's gotta keep it under wraps. <laughs> he's gonna like do Presbice
4: Movie and he's gonna be like, I'm in this movie Predator, and it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh god. Okay. Enough of that. <laughs> like we all said hopefully they're holding out on us hopefully there's more to see and you know because i mean we're all excited just this trailer didn't do anything to help with that excitement
1: hello everyone this is jd from the in session film podcast each week we review the latest from hollywood california well yes brendan we also give top three lists okay yeah thanks again brendan additionally you can hear us talk other movie news trailers varying movie series or other interesting film related topics and even rants and raves of the week that's correct brendan on top of our main show every friday you can also hear our extra film podcasts good job brendan Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. (laughs) Yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, You can listen to the In Session Film podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one? Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not t- how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no, no. go cry at midnight special again. Oh, okay? okay, that's what you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you gonna pummel me? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy it. it that. That's just how <laughs> it works. <laughs> let's move over to the polls now,
4: shall we? Polls for this week. Uh, let's start off with last week's poll, actually. So, Cannes is currently underway. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a news section at the end of the podcast here. We asked everybody last week, which is your favorite Palme d'Or winning film from the Cannes Film Festival? We had a lot of choices. A lot. And we also had some write-ins, too, which I always appreciate. You know, we had a lot of write-ins for Blue is the Warmest Color. We had a write-in for Uncle Boomy, who can recall his past lives. Dancer in the Dark got some mentions as well. But of all of the options that were listed, you know, the big ones, I'm asking everybody here right now. Danilo, you first. What do you think won the poll?
2: Can you give me a run through of the, some of the choices? Oh,
4: I was hoping I wouldn't have to do this. <laughs> Four months, three weeks, and two days. All that jazz, more Apocalypse Now, Barton Fink, Blow Up, The Conversation, The Lost Weekend, Marty, MASH, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Paris, Texas, The Piano, Pulp Fiction, Rome, Open City, Secrets and Lies, Taxi Driver, The Third Man, The Tree of Life, The Turning Point, and The Wages of Fear.
2: Oh my God. Now I see why. Um, I have no idea. I'm going to go with Apocalypse Now. I don't know. I no idea. Okay. Josh?
3: I would say either Apocalypse Now or Taxi Driver. All right. And Will? Either Taxi Driver or Pulp Friction. Pulp Friction, Friction. really. (laughs) Yeah.
4: All right. All right, very good. Uh, Let's start off with third place. In third place with 12 votes, The Tree of Life.
0: In second place with 18 votes, Apocalypse Now. And in first place
4: with 23 votes, Pulp fiction.
0: Wow, Taxi Driver wasn't mm-hmm. even in the top three. Uh, nope. Taxi the Driver. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> yeah. Taxi
4: Driver was in fourth place with 11 votes. And then just to round it out, this was surprising. In fifth place was The Piano with nine wow. votes. Wow, that's a really yeah.
2: good movie. That's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that one. It is a good movie. I enjoy it.
4: The films that, The films that got zero votes, there were only two uh mash and the turning point
2: oh mash deserves better that's too bad yeah
4: well you'll be happy to hear that the lost weekend got one vote
0: (laughs) oh i don't know why that movie is the best picture
4: and other other than that i mean i don't have really anything else much to add you know i'm a little i'm a little underwhelmed that pulp fiction won though i really am i mean i'd don't get me wrong I I love pulp fiction. I truly truly do, but I just felt like it was like the obvious choice here. You know, yeah. I wanted I wanted our readership to go with something else. I mean, there was some stuff that got votes that you know. I I mean like Paris Texas only got five votes. I don't I don't know. I just felt like that film had more fans. All that jazz got seven, so it was in sixth place. Um, and then the films that got six votes were. Uh, a tie between four months, three weeks, two days, the conversation, and the third man. You know, I don't know. Um,
2: Do you guys think Pulp Fiction really holds up well today still? Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. I think it's so like, it's become so saturated to discuss and to praise, but I think ultimately when you sit down and watch it, it's like, yeah, this is great. I just feel like the problem
4: I have with it so much is that there were so many think pieces on it and there's nothing left to be said about that film that has not already been said by somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: yeah. That's not yeah. the film's fault. There was plenty no, to say I about know, it. But it's I mean just...
4: like, I like for example, I'm going to see 2001 a space odyssey next weekend in, in this 70 millimeter print that Christopher Nolan's been, you know, going nuts about. Mm-hmm. And 2001 is a movie that every couple of years, you know, every five you know, years, whatever it is that I see it, I always get something different out of it. And it's something unique and something personal. And I feel like for me personally, I feel like the best films do that. You know, you guys might not agree with me, but I feel like the best films are the ones that always change when you revisit them over the course of, you know, a couple of years.
2: I would agree. I would say with Tarantino, uh, for the most part, though, his tend to be kind of what you see is what you get. And it's more just the enjoyment of love. like – of it and the snappiness of it and the, the style of it um so i feel like with pulp fiction that I, I don't know yeah I, I guess you're right though it hasn't really changed in the years since i first saw it but you know it's, it's a great movie
4: i mean i will definitely admire the fact that it won the palm door you know yeah um and it's one of the coolest movies of all time to ever actually win
3: the palm door <laughs> so <laughs> although clonisola didn't want that to win the palm door that year <laughs> that's amazing really yeah, he was the president, um he was the jury president that year and he hated it and he very much fought against that movie to win the Palm D'Or, but he did not win that fight.
4: You know, it reminds me of like Robert De Niro when he explained the Tree of Life winning the Palm d'Or. And uh I always read like the <laughs> I always read like the little quote online, he's like, you know, it, it just seemed to have the um the biggest whatever ambition. <laughs> you, you know, it, it, fit, it fit the bill. It fit the bill.
2: Yeah,
4: <laughs> you know, it is like not much enthusiasm there. And it makes me wonder what we're going to get this year with such a I mean, really such a publicized jury this year, you know, and so many different big names on that jury. It just it makes me wonder because, I mean, I don't know. Can anybody ever think of a time where a jury was completely unanimous? Wasn't Blue's is Color unanimous? Oh, was it? Hmm. You know what? I think I do remember hearing something about that. Yeah, yeah, I do remember hearing that, actually. You're right. hmm But still,
3: it's really rare. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. Definitely, yeah.
4: So we um, had a winner for another poll that we had put up. Uh, which June 2018 movie should our next throwback review be influenced by? The choices were Adrift, Hereditary, Incredibles 2, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Oceans 8, and Sicario, Day of the Soldado. And the winner, with 39 votes, was Hereditary. So... Because of Hereditary's victory there, we had to come up with a poll of films that were somehow related to Hereditary in some form or way that were not nominated for Best Picture, which made it very tough because then it's like, well, you can't include The Sixth Sense. You can't include The Exorcist. And I was like, I can't even include Little Miss Sunshine for Tony Collette. God damn it. Like, what do I do? (laughs) Um, And so as a result of which I decided to go at it from a different angle. I looked at the fact that Hereditary is being made by a first-time film director, and I said to myself, you know what? Let me pick, pick horror films that were directorial debuts. Sounds simple enough. So we have five choices here. We have The Babadook, The Evil Dead, Night of the Living Dead, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and The Witch. All five of those are up for our throwback podcast film review for June of 2018 which will be a patreon exclusive josh which of those five would you choose
3: well first of all i think all five of those are really great movies and any one of them would be really great to discuss i think my vote would go to the witch
2: because i just love that film so much danilo the witch is really good that was that was the one i like gravitated towards but i think it you might be able to kind of pull more out of and kind of discuss more uh time period wise, if we went with night of the living dead. So I'd be interested to hear night of the living dead.
4: And will, what would you ask the voters to
0: vote on the witch? I think there's a lot to analyze there.
4: You know what? I actually agree. Um, I did a podcast review and funny enough, it was actually my first podcast review I ever did, uh, with the in session film guys. And that was not something that's on NextBestPicture.com. That's exclusively on their website, but it was the first time I ever was on a podcast. First movie I ever talked about at great length. I can fully admit I had no idea what I was doing from a recording standpoint. I was nervous as hell. And I have no idea if I go back and listen to that, how I sound to this day. But I remember them telling me when it was over, oh man, like we, there was so much to discuss about that movie. Wow. Like that was really, really fun and really interesting. So I know there was a lot of meat there. And it'll be really, really fun to go back and revisit that for sure. But because I've kind of like, you know, already been there and done that, uh, my personal preference would be the original Night of the Living Dead. Because I just feel like going back and revisiting that right now would be a tremendous amount of fun. Especially considering I just got it on Criterion recently. So there is that. And now, for this week Deadpool 2. Yay, DP2. <laughs> We are asking everyone which is their favorite non MCU Marvel film. So, there's some good choices and there's some bad choices. (laughs) You know, obviously, all of the X Men films are represented. The Spider Man films, except for Spider Man Homecoming, are represented. Blade is represented. Daredevil, Fantastic Four. Yes, that is here. The Punisher. So good. Um, there's a lot, a lot of choices. Are we all in agreement that Logan is like the clear cut winner here, or does anyone want to disagree?
0: I go back and forth because I think Spider-Man 2 remains one of the best comic book films ever made. It just is it is the perfect embodiment of how a comic book should translate to the screen. Yeah, I, it, it's a really tough call for me to be honest. I love Logan. I think it's great. It is essentially just Shane, you know, and like it, it has an emotional punch, but I'm, I, I it's really good, but I'm actually going to go with Spider-Man 2.
3: Yeah, I would agree that those are probably the top two. Maybe you throw in X2 for like a top three, I would say. Uh, I think I would lean towards Logan just because it does have a little bit more of an emotional weight behind it. And yeah, it is... Uh, drawing on familiar territory in terms of other movies that we've seen. But it really drew me in more so than any other comic book movie has recently. And even though I really love Spider-Man 2, it has a lot of fun energy to it. I just feel like on a personal level for me, I probably get drawn into Logan a little bit more.
4: How many here have gone back and rewatched Spider-Man 2 recently? Uh,
0: I did last year. And does it hold up? I felt like it did. I mean, there's a couple spots of dialogue where it's like, ooh. But yeah, Yeah. honestly, much more than the first one, yeah. And like Alfred Molina's Doc Ock still remains one of the most fully rounded comic book villains we've ever had.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Danilo? Logan, I would say, is objectively the, the top pick. And I think it is probably the strongest, just like individual film. But I, uh, Spider-Man Two, I've probably watched more, and will probably get more enjoyment out of in the long run. Um, it is, it has, it's dated a little bit. It's not as dated as the first one. I watched the first one recently. Man, I did not realize a lot of that stuff is is pretty silly.
4: Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of stuff in the Sam Raimi yeah uh, trilogy that it, you know
2: it, it got worse as it went. It in did. In terms of its campiness, it did. But yeah, so so I'm gonna I'll, I'll stick I'll stick with Logan, but Spider Man Two is definitely the second pick. And if which one I'd probably rewatch, I'd probably say Spider Man Two.
4: Okay, well head on over to the polls page on nextbestpicture.com, cast a vote on which you feel is your favorite non MCU Marvel film, and definitely head over to the theater and see. Deadpool 2 this weekend if you're a fan of the first one if you're not a fan of the first one then I advise you stay clear now with that said we have one more fan question here before we head over to our second trailer this one is from McBlooster118 on Twitter and it is also tied to Marvel he is asking what is your favorite Stan Lee cameo mine is personally from Spider-Man 3 I guess one person can make a difference enough said so what about you guys Favorite Stan Lee cameo in a Marvel film?
3: Well, uh, you know, I will be honest. I usually don't really like the Stan Lee cameos. I find them very self-indulgent and distracting, and I generally really don't like them. But if I had to pick one that I did kind of enjoy, it's actually from a movie that isn't very good, and that's the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. Uh, I don't like that film very much, but his cameo during the fight between Spider-Man and the Lizard when they're in like the library and Stanley's listening to like a classical record or something you don't hear any of their fight you just hear the music and what's going on in the background and it's very clever so i like that you know you have his cameo but it's also used in this clever set piece that gets me to enjoy it more than just kind of throwing him at the screen and saying hey look we got Stanley here and then just moving on like nothing happened
4: yeah um my favorite Goes to Captain America's Civil War, all because of Don Cheadle. When <laughs> Stanley comes up the door as the FedEx man, and he's like, "Are you a Mr. Tony Stank?" And Don Cheadle's like, "Yes, yes, yes, yes. This is this is Mr. Tony Stank." <laughs> and he's like, "I'm never letting that one go." <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was fantastic. All, all, you know, not so much for Stan Lee, but just because Don Cheadle, like, you could just tell like that, that, that's just one of those like rib moments between buddies. That's just, uh, it just felt so natural and so funny to me.
0: I liked the, um, I did really enjoy the just random moment in Captain America, the first Avenger, where he's some general and... Some guy walks out to basically just be like Captain America isn't here, and Stanley's just like, "I thought he'd be taller." <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I do like the I probably the Winter Soldier when he's like when he goes to the museum and he's like the the security guy, and Captain America stole the suit, and he's like, "Oh man, I'm so fired." That that was that was pretty good. I will say if I'm if I'm allowed to go outside of Marvel movies, I really like his cameo in Mallrats. Mallrats, yeah. He's great in that cuz he actually gets to he gets like some stuff to say. Um and he gets a funny lines some funny lines in there too, but yeah. I do I I just rewatched
4: it recently and I and I did get a kick out of his uh, cameo in Deadpool as well as oh, Yeah, at, at the strip, strip club, club and he's like give it up for chastity.
2: <laughs> that is a fun <laughs> one. That is a good one too. Yeah. I forget about that one. Uh
4: well, we'll see what kind of a cameo he makes in Deadpool 2 this weekend. Um, let's move over now to another film that is set to come out. Uh, it's a film that I was very, very, very privileged to see at Sundance earlier this year. Pretty soon you guys will get to experience it as well. This film is starring John Cho, and it is called Searching. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one.
1: Hey, Dad.
4: Hey, sweetheart. Where are you?
1: Study group. i going to go all
2: night. Oh, one more thing. I want to know Dad. about the final you took today.
1: I'm Margo. I'm 15. Student.
0: 911, what's your emergency? I'm calling to report a missing person. Okay, who is this regarding? My daughter.
2: I'm the detective assigned to your daughter's case. I need to know how everything unfolded. Understood. We're gonna go late like all night. One, after a steady session, Margot didn't return home. Margot Kim, school has her marked as absent today. Two, she didn't attend school on Friday. My daughter is in a lesson with you right now. Margot canceled her classes
0: six months ago. And three, she's been transferring funds for the last six months. We'll handle the ground investigation. But as a parent, you can help us with who your daughter talks to. Is that something you can do? Yes. Do you mind answering some questions for me to help? Did see her eat lunch alone on Thursday? Every day. You don't think she's involved with anything serious? I know my daughter.
4: We're not really that close. She has friends, right? Kind of. Why did you invite her to study group? I'm trying to get into Berkeley next year. When was the last time
2: you saw her? She did not run away. Local team has been missing since last Thursday. She made a transaction of $2,500. I know my daughter. Where were you
4: the night my daughter went
2: missing? I know my daughter.
1: Look into her behavior also.
4: She gets a fake ID.
0: I know my daughter. daughter. This is <laughs> She was my best friend. You broke his jaw. I know my daughter. I'm trying to help you find my daughter. I didn't know her. I didn't know my daughter.
4: Okay, I will just preface by saying this movie is frickin' awesome. But, don't take my word for it, ask yourselves this, did the trailer convince you that the movie looks awesome? Anyone?
3: Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, I was really looking forward to this movie just because it had John Cho in it, I'm a uh, big fan of his. And I have to admit, I, there is still a part of me that's a little skeptical just about the whole taking place on a computer screen. But, I mean, it looks like a very interesting story, and I know you've been raving about it, Matt, and I've heard a lot of other people say it's a really good movie, so it continues to get me really interested to
0: see this. I can't wait for it to come out. Yeah, I've been hyped to see this since Sundance, so I, I, the trailer didn't need to get me excited. You and my girlfriend and a bunch of other people who saw it at Sundance said it's incredible, so...
2: Oh, oh Becca saw it? I didn't know that.
0: Yes, and she loved it.
2: Great. Danilo? Um, I, I'm interested to see, I, I definitely am interested to see it. It reminded me a little bit, if I don't know if anyone saw the movie Unfriended. Do you remember that a couple years ago? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot better. A lot, lot better. <laughs> that's, what say, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. It's like, I, I don't think that movie like, uh, like nailed the concept. So I'm hoping that this one does it. So I'm, I'm excited to see it too. Cause I like the idea.
4: Yeah. Um, the editing in this movie is pretty ingenious, not to mention, um, the score, I don't think I've seen um, a score for a film be this integral to uh, the storytelling since the beginning sequence of Up.
0: So let me ask, wow. um, is there any chance that this shows up at either editing original score Oscar categories?
4: I freaking hope so. <laughs> I genuinely hope so. I really, really hope so. I, I personally, when I was walking out of Sundance after seeing it, That was the number one thing I was bringing up to a lot of people. And I kept on asking them, do you think this? Do you think this? Because I think this. I want to know if you think it because I want to know if this is really a thing because I really want to push hard for this. And the answer is yes. Everybody agrees that it's edited very, very well because for such an odd concept and for it to be such an engaging thriller throughout, the editing is crucial to making the movie zip on by. I mean, also too, John Cho, and, and you guys p- can tell by the trailer, John Cho anchors this film, and he does it in a way that just solidifies what an underused talent he really, really is. I mean, look no further than Columbus last year. Am I right, Parm?:
3: Oh oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's a really good actor and very underutilized lately, but it seems like he's finally kind of coming into his own a little bit. so I'm very excited whenever he's got a new movie coming out.
4: Yeah, I, and I will say this too. I thought about this a lot. I thought about will this film play well at home? And the answer that I keep coming to is I don't think so. I really genuinely feel this is better experienced on a big movie theater screen. Hmm. I, I I can't imagine watching this actually like on my laptop. Although that that must be a very... I, I don't know. I just feel like the effect was much, much greater in the theater seeing it. Like seeing the computer screen bigger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just, I, I feel like that will hold a, a larger impact than if you were to watch it from home, legally or illegally. Yeah. You know?
2: That'd be very meta watching it on a laptop. Yeah. It would look like you were FaceTiming someone or something.
4: Yeah. Oh, my God. That's I I kind of genuinely do want to just play it on my laptop, like on my <laughs> commute to work and not even be listening to it. And I just want to – I'll have like the headphones turned all the way down so I can hear people around me and people are like, are you actually talking to someone? And I'll be like, what? Oh, like, and they'll be that, like, what? Is that, yeah, this is
2: John Cho. Yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. I'm <laughs> FaceTiming John Cho, everybody. <laughs> uh. All right. So everybody's hype. That's good. That's exactly what I wanted. Uh, Speaking of hype, by the way, uh, one last thing about Mother's Day, and I forgot to mention this earlier. I just want to bring this up really quick. A24 missed a huge opportunity in releasing Hereditary this weekend. Just throwing that out there.
0: Oh, for Mother's Day? Yeah. Well, they even had ads, you know, basically being like this Mother's Day,
2: you know, think of Hereditary.
4: And it's like the movie doesn't come out for how many weeks?
2: (laughs) You know? (laughs) So... uh that would have been good. You're right. That's a missed opportunity.
4: Yeah. Well, I don't think they knew what they had initially mm-hmm. with that. And I think they are, are seeing how people are responding to the hype, the hype machine, the hype. Holy grail. That is Tony Collette.
3: Well, maybe they were a bit nervous with Deadpool 2 and Solo coming out in the next couple weeks as well.
4: Yeah. Um. Hey, I just had a curiosity now that we've heard reactions to both Deadpool 2 and Solo and you know that they're both pretty good. What do you guys think is going to win the box office between between those two movies?
3: I I think Solo. That's
4: a good
0: uh,
2: question, but probably still Solo. I'll, I'll 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 go the other way. I'll say Deadpool. Maybe I I think more people will go back and rewatch Deadpool. Get repeat customers. All right.
4: With that said, Will Mavity, take us away from the news, my friend. What what happened this week in Hollywood?
0: Okay, so obviously we are during Cannes. And I'm going to start with some can news. So, Oscar for Hotties, everybody knows. His latest film coming off of two foreign language film Oscar winners. This one is in Spanish and set in Spain, I believe. As Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz got more mixed reviews than his last couple. Uh, that did not stop Focus from acquiring it. So, who knows? They know how to run an Oscar campaign. This might be number three for him, but something tells me that's not going to be the case. This one sounds like it's decent, but it's not quite what we had. Um, now, a foreign film that is supposed to be really good is Pawel Pawlowski.
4: That was a good effort.
0: <laughs> the guy who made Ida a couple <laughs> years ago. Uh, His new film, Cold War, set over multiple decades in Cold War era, Poland and in France is supposed to be incredible. Is it our foreign language frontrunner, you think, so far this year? For right now, yes. Uh, Now, what's also interesting is I don't think it's just a foreign language frontrunner. It's apparently stunning in black and white. His previous film, Eda Against the Odds, got a cinematography nomination. I think this absolutely could as well. And not only that, the film is all about Polish folk singers in the period apparently has great music. I think it could even be one of those random original song contenders like Paris 52 that just pops up with an original song nomination and maybe an original score nomination. Also, if it gets nominated for black and white cinematography and... Roma, Alfonso Cuarón's new movie gets nominated for cinematography. This could be the first time since like 1968 that we have multiple black and white cinematography nominees, which would be crazy.
4: Can, can, can we just make that happen? Like, because that that is like the coolest, the coolest stat. Like 50 years since that happened. Like that, that, please. That is
2: really cool. Yeah.
0: All right. So non-CAN news. Daisy Ridley is circling a project called Peace of Mind for Paramount and Bad Robot. It's a coming-of-age story about a young woman who suffers a traumatic brain injury at three years old and is left handicapped and cared for by her father. When her father dies, she has to go live for their college-age brother and learn to socialize and make her way in the outside world. What's interesting is... The headline states that Ryan Knighton is adapting it. I assume that this means they haven't attached a director and that he's just writing it because Ryan Knighton is blind. So that would be really interesting if this film about someone who's overcoming a disability ends up being directed by someone who is blind as well. But yeah, so who knows? I mean, this could be a crappy me before you type film that doesn't really handle disability well. Or it could be an Oscar vehicle for Daisy Ridley. Remains to be seen, really.
4: I'm still not aboard the Daisy Ridley train outside of Star Wars. I, I haven't seen anything yet that's really impressed me.
0: She And, and honestly, um, she didn't do that much for me in The Last Jedi. The only, I mean, she, I thought she was really good in Force Awakens. She didn't necessarily impress me as much this time around. Um, I'm, I mean, like, she hasn't had that many roles on screen. I will be intrigued to see how she does next year's Chaos Walking with Tom Holland. That's a good part.
4: Maybe maybe she just needs help finding her place in all of this.
0: Oh, my God. God damn it. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, Ray Fiennes, Rebecca Hall, and Mark Strong are going to lead Mark, uh, John Michael McDonough's follow-up to Calvary and The Guard called The Forgiven.
4: I want to just say for the record, I'm very happy that he is still working because I hate the fact that he puts out f- films as frequently as his brother does, <laughs> you know? There's, like, so much time in between projects. It, it kills me.
0: Yeah, and and uh, we Matt and I had a bit of a debate last week. I honestly think Calvary is better than Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I think Calvary is a masterpiece, so... Ugh.
4: It's so good. I, it is so good. I just, like... I don't know, like, and like, here's the thing: it's not popular enough, I feel like, to be considered a masterpiece by most people.
0: I don't think being popular means you're a, is the definition of what makes a masterpiece. But you're not
4: you're not getting people unanimously saying it is a masterpiece because not many people have
0: seen it. Doesn't no, I mean it's not a. Oh, that's that's a bad definition of what. Makes well, it's, it's true.
2: Yeah, is is a classic one that has to be like a classic culturally yeah, a classic really has relevant. To be.
0: Ultra relevant, a, ma- a masterpiece could be some piece of crap that you're okay. All right, all right, all right. If yeah, you can grow the difference
4: between the two terms in me there, then okay, I will concede.
0: The masterpiece, moving on. Um, <laughs> Rambo Five, guys, get the testosterone oh, ready, oh, get your road tanks it's out, get your time. protein shakes in the blender. Uh, he's taken on the Mexican cartel at 71 or 72. Um, you know, I, I can't fathom. get be this. a tagline for the movie? <laughs> I can't fathom any world where this goes, where this blows up in Stallone's face and is poorly received. You the know, only it's... thing
4: that would make this amazing is if Benicio Del Toro has a walk-on as oh. his character from Sicario. Oh, and there's like so some I, Even
0: crossover. that would save it. I mean, like, come on. Do, do you guys remember the last Rambo, just how absurdly violent it was? <laughs> yeah, like, he <laughs> he was, like, was like rips great. the guy's throat out and stuff. Oh, it's absurd. Yeah. So, you know, I, he can pull off aging Creed. I'm not sure Stallone is nearly as compelling. And how funny is it that this franchise started as an anti-war statement and is now turned into war? Yes. You know, like... Rambo, the book, and the first film were meant to be about all oh, these poor guys that came back from Vietnam. They're traumatized. Look how we treat our vets. And now it's like, kill everyone. You know, <laughs> Rambo died. Rambo was originally supposed to die at the end yeah. of First Blood. Mm-hmm. And they rejiggered the ending because they wanted to keep him around. All right, Bruce Willis is playing Customato. That is the most Italian-sounding name I've heard of him outside of Matt Neglia.
3: Hey.
0: In uh, a boxing coach biopic called Cornerman about the coach who discovered and trained young Mike Tyson. It's the directorial debut from Rupert Friend, who you saw on things like Pride and Prejudice and Homeland. Okay, and so I'm going to skip some uh, other headlines that we have in a news article that you should all go read because that gives you all kinds of lesser headlines but we'd be here for an hour if i read them all so go look it up on next best picture matt will retweet it after the show i will okay oliver assayas has a new film if you like personal shopper he's got a cuban spy thriller about um cuban spies who were left over in america in the aftermath of the cold war and it's got everyone's uh favorite television star pedro pascal from game of thrones narcos and most recently in kingsman as well And also Edgar Ramirez, who we just saw in the not-particularly-acclaimed American crime story Versace.
4: But did previously star in Oliver Sace's film Carlos, Yeah, which which is introduced him to the world.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Carlos
4: is really So if this is anything like that, sign me up. I am fully on board. Dude, we
0: have
2: a third Bill & Ted movie coming.
0: How awesome is that? That Oh, yes!
4: Praise (laughs) Lord Jesus! (laughs)
2: Rambo 5 and Bill and Ted 3 We're still stuck Ugh. in the I think there's
4: a clear answer as to what we would all want. Like it's it's going to be it, like, I don't know. There is a novelty and a nostalgia to wanting to see those characters back on screen again. But when you see how it played out for like Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, and I, I don't know, like, do we really want it? it's weird like do we really want it
3: yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna say it sounds like a terrible idea to me but yeah. <laughs> I guess that just that's just me
2: it's like when you hear it and you're like oh and then like it settles in you're like wait that's a bad idea like it just it doesn't it doesn't sit well because we all know what kind of movie this is going to be yeah and and that that's the part that
4: hurts I mean if it exceeds expectations wonderful but God, I'm just not an optimistic person, am I?
3: <laughs> that should be the title, Bill and Ted Exceed Expectations. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Jordan Peele has announced, you know, he's already producing plenty of projects. No, what happened
4: to you got to go on the website and click on the link? <laughs> yeah, I'm playing, I'm playing. We got to talk about Jordan Peele. Jordan Peel's a big deal.
0: Yeah, this is a big one. Uh, hes uh, He's been producing lots of projects uh, like Black Klansman, which is coming and premiering at Cannes next week. But uh, he's announced a release date, March, and a cast for his next film he's actually directing. It's called Us, and it has Elizabeth Moss, Lapita Nyong'o, who's getting cast in everything these days, and uh, Black Panther's Winston Duke, you know, the huge guy who does the dog yeah. barking sound. Um, so we don't know much about the plot, but we know it's coming in less than a year, so be excited.
4: I'm very excited. I mean, guys— Did you guys see a little movie called Get Out?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I might have heard of it.
0: (laughs) How can you not be excited? Dude, uh, the cast for Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is insane. Oh,
4: man. I thought this was a joke the first time I heard it, by the way. Um, But maybe you'll know why once you read off the names.
0: Go ahead. Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Burt Reynolds, Tim Roth, Kurt Russell, Timothy Oliphant, and Michael Madsen.
4: See, like... All the names after Margot Robbie were like a slew of Tarantino regulars with the exception of Reynolds and Oliphant. And I just like said to myself – this is a joke, right? Like, it's just Tarantino, like, names and familiars that, you know, are in all of movies. They're not going to possibly be in this. And then I did a little bit more digging. And I was like, holy shit, no, they really all are back in again. Like, this, is, this is insane. <laughs> yeah, and I, I bet the
0: cast isn't done. We're going to get a couple random additional names that add in, too.
4: I mean, just uh, the idea of DiCaprio and Brad Pitt sharing scenes together.
0: Mm, that's delicious. It's going to be... <laughs> Yum. Uh, All right. So um, Beanie Feldstein gets to be her first lead character in a film called How to Build a Girl. I had never heard of this book, but apparently I should have. It's an incredibly acclaimed coming-of-age novel. Good uh, for
4: her. She charmed the pants off of everyone on the campaign trail for Lady Bird last year. And, I mean, she was great in the movie too. So, I mean, I'm sure it helps being – you know Jonah Hill's sister, who's now really well established within the industry. But regardless of which, I'm very, very happy for her. I mean, and she also has done other work besides Lady Bird as well. So it's not like she's coming out of nowhere. She has a great deal of pedigree to, to her, and uh, I'm really excited for people to see more of her.
0: How about um, Rosamund Pike? You know, she had Gone Girl, and then she kind of disappeared again. Even if she had, small, which by the way, little... I
4: rewatched her in Hostels two nights ago, and. A Hostels is a much better movie than I remember it being. And I highly urge you all to give it another look or a first look if you haven't seen it. Because it actually it it astounded me how much better it was on Rewatch. Like I really liked it. I think I was just in the wrong headspace, maybe, when I saw it for the first time, because I just walked out of it saying to myself, like, man, that was like the most recently depressing movie I've ever seen in my life. And I just couldn't love it. Um, but rewatching it again, it, it, it is really good. And she's fantastic in it. I can't believe that she didn't get not get like any recognition whatsoever. She really like bears her soul in the first half of that film, you know? yeah, that opening oh, scene
2: yeah, is, that opening scene is rough.
0: um okay. so she's coming back in a film called a Private War. It's the narrative debut from Matthew Heineman who did cartel Land and City of Ghosts. So he's a really good doc nice. director. But this thing is uh, a narrative film about Marie Colvin, the reporter who got killed covering Syria a couple of years back. So who knows? I mean like that, and it's got an award season, November release date. Um, Heinemann is a very compelling doc director and, you know, with the emphasis on the importance of journalism, journalists nowadays, not to mention the relevance of real life events going on in Syria right now. I, I feel like this is something that could put her back in the Oscar race again. I mean, she was incredible in Gone Girl, and my favorite performance of that year. So
4: I want to I, I want to use this as a launching pad to ask really quickly: Would you guys have chosen Julianne Moore or Rosamund Pike? Be honest.
3: Uh, I would have chosen neither. I would have picked Marion Cotillard that year.
4: Oh, okay. Well, that's that, uh, that. That I. Yeah. I mean, she's damn it. You're right. <laughs> um... <laughs> But but that's not the question I'm asking. But Let's if, just pretend
2: if, it was those if, uh, two. it uh, was just the those choices, two.
3: Yeah, if just between those two, I would
2: say uh, Rosman Pike. Okay. Danilo. Um I'm I'm actually gonna go with Julianne Moore. I'm gonna stick with Julianne. And Will, Rosman? Well, I I wanted
0: Julianne Moore to win an Oscar. I objectively prefer the Pike performance, but I'm glad that Moore finally won our Oscar there.
4: But would you would you have casted your vote for
0: Rosman? I probably would have cast my vote for Julianne just to give her an Oscar. Yeah, that's. I lean a little towards that. Yeah, I'm like,
4: man, that's crazy.
0: (laughs) We apparently we needed two Leonard Bernstein biopics. We told you last week that um, Jake Gyllenhaal was going to be playing him in a (laughs) Carrie Fukunaga film. Now Bradley Cooper is going to be playing him in a film directed and written by Bradley Cooper. So this
4: is. So so is this one going to be. Is this one going to be motion capture like like the second Jungle Book film?
0: No, I'm kidding. Oh, God. <laughs>
4: um, yeah, but I, I hate it when this happens, when you have two similar subject matters come out the same year because clearly one is going to dwarf the other. It was like last year when we got um, the Brian Cox, Winston Churchill you know film and then Darkest Hour. It, it just like – there's always going to be one clearly that's more embraced than the other. And, I, and I, I i don't know. I always just genuinely feel bad then for that other film that just had to have the unfortunate timing of
0: releasing the same year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can read the rest on our site. There's more news, but that's the last big one.
4: All righty. Anything else before we go? Nope. From anyone? No? We're good? No. No. Cool. No. All right, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. Hug your mom's, call her, tell her that you love her. I'm sure she will really appreciate that. You can find me online at Next Best Picture.
2: Danilo, where can they find you online? Uh, you can find me at Danilo S. Castro on Twitter. Josh.
3: Uh, you can find me at J.R. Parham on Twitter.
2: Will. You can find
0: me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies.
4: Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 90 of the Next Best Picture podcast. We are the same age as Oscar at this point, which is. Pretty crazy, you know, when you really really think about it, only 10 episodes away from episode 100. So, I wanted to take a moment to thank everyone that has listened to us during all this time. And hey, if this is your first time listening to us, please feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player, FM, and also on Castbox. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Let us know what you think of the show. We really, really much appreciate your feedback and support. And speaking of support, if you head over to Patreon for at a minimum of $1 a month, you can get exclusive podcast content from us over here at nextbestpicture.com. We just recently released a review of the original Deadpool. And we have other ones, as you heard earlier in our polls discussion, coming in the future as well. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time.